Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. Wow. Okay. So last week, um, we, we talked about our identity and the scripture I used was in Peter and he, he talked uh, about being a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and um, and, and all these amazing things about who we are uh, because of Christ and, and, and like how we should see ourselves, not because of us, right, but because of God, because of what he's done in us. And, and today I, I felt that, that I wanted to, to kind of go back and, and go back to the kind of the foundations of that and, and really dig in um, to, to why we should live as a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, and, and live in that strength of where God has called us to, right? So I want to re- read in Galatians 2.20, and it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So he's saying here, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm I'm no longer alive. And it's interesting because it's kind of like this, uh, like, paradoxical statement, right? And, and something that for, for me and I believe all of us is hard for us to really wrap our minds around because when we do, the more we do, and again, just like things of God, I don't think we can completely comprehend all of, of what this means, but we get more and more glimpses of what it means and it helps us to come in closer and helps us to be more like Christ, helps us to live more like Christ, right? And in this statement, he's like, I'm, I'm no longer alive. I'm dead. I'm gone, you know? He gone. But this life that I live, so he's like, but no, oh wait, there's more. You know, like one of those infomercials. But wait, no, this life that I live. He's like, but no, I'm alive. But this life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's like, I'm dead, but I'm alive. You know, there's an old song. Did I say something about a song last year? Yeah, it was who are. Is there a song called Dead or Alive? It's a, yeah. right. Dead or Alive. Okay. I don't, okay. Um, <laughs> but it's this crazy, like, statement of I'm dead, but I'm alive. And so I want to kind of look into that and, and what that means. And kind of look at this. I've been crucified. 
with Christ. This is, this is like a, a foundational truth of Christianity. This is something that we have to, like I said, like I, I spoke last week about seeing ourselves as, as God sees us, as that chosen generation, royal priesthood, you know, like, like we have everything that he has. But the reason that we can do that is because of Christ, because I have been crucified with Christ because of what he did. And in Romans 6, 5, it says, they don't have this one, but it says, if we've been united with him in death, so we are united with him in life. And this death that happens, it's killing all the bad stuff. It's killing all the mess. It's taking all the things that I can't deal with, that, that I can't get rid of on my own, and, and these things that I, I feel overwhelmed with or whatever, you know, these things that, that we can deal with in, a, in the flesh, and it is putting those things to death, but... If we've been united with him in that death, aren't we also united with him in life that we can live, that we can truly live and live like him? We're dead to sin, but alive in Christ, alive in spirit, alive to God. In Galatians 5.24, and look, there's, I, there's so many scriptures, I'm just going to read a handful of them, a handful of them, or a few of them, whichever way you want to take it. In Galatians 5.24, it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And then in 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And this is what I'm just, I, I've just been talking about. Those that have been crucified, what does that mean? Those that have come to him and, and, and said, I believe that you were crucified, that you rose from the dead, that you did all of this for me because I was, sin, was sinful and, and I was a mess and I needed you and you did it even just for me, that you took that old mess and you unified it with yourself. It, you became that for me. And you took that to the cross and not only you died, but all that stuff that I was, that sinful nature and who I was before you, that died too. Then it says, but then if we live, right? Because if we were united with him in death, then of course we will be raised with him to life. So in Galatians it says, so let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live, in the, if the reason that you're alive is because of the Spirit of God did this work in you through the cross, 
The reason now that you are alive, because he did that work in you. Why wouldn't we live in the Spirit, is what he's saying. And, and he's taking the, you know, my mind is wild. You, you would love to get in here and try to figure it out. But, you know, I just think about these things, and, and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I, I don't even, <sighs> because we, we, how could I hold on to, how can we hold on to that stuff that was killed? See, when we deal with these things, now, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying if we're still dealing with things because I'm still dealing with things, right? I'm not saying that that, that means that there's something wrong with you or with me. What I'm saying is, can we come to understand more and more what Christ has done and grab hold of that life that he is giving to us instead of grabbing hold of that stuff that has been put to death. And I, I just hope to, to encourage in this message because I know that a lot of us, myself included, you know, I just got a black eye last night. We're dealing with a lot of stuff. <laughs> sorry, I had to. I'm so sorry. No, there's so many things that we are going through and we're dealing with, and and, and I know, and I know that, and and what I am trying to just express today is that if if we could more and more come into the understanding of what God has done for us, more and more those things that we are dealing with are going to fall away. They're dead. They're gone. They're done with. We don't have to be held on by those things, like it is something, we have the victory, not because of us, but because Christ has the victory and he is in us. So we have the victory over these things. So let us walk in the spirit, not in those dead things. As I was talking with Vittori um, before she gave me a black eye, actually, but um, I'm kidding. I'm so sorry. I it's just it's just too good. Okay, so <laughs> about about this message, and she she found this uh, this quote, and I love C.S. Lewis. I love his mind. It's a little difficult to understand sometimes, but. This quote, he, 
in this part of the quote, which is much longer what we were reading, but it said, it is no good trying to be myself without him. The more I resist him and try to live on my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity and upbringing and surroundings and natural desires. In fact, what I so proudly call myself becomes merely the meeting place of trains, of events which I never started and which I cannot stop. What I call my wishes become merely the desires thrown up by my physical organisms and pumped into me by other men's thoughts and even suggested to me by the devils. In this state... Do you guys get, you want me to read it again? You do, okay. It's no good trying to be myself without him, without God. The more I resist him, more I resist God and try to live on my own, the more I become dominated by my own heredity, my own upbringing and surroundings and natural desires. Right? So when, the more we become dominated by what's around us, what's happened in our past, and what our own fleshly desires are. In fact, what I so proudly call myself, like our, our identity before Christ or without Christ, what we so proudly call ourselves becomes the meeting place for trains of events which I never started, and which I cannot stop. You guys get that? It says what, what we end up calling ourselves without Christ, without Him, when we're not seeking after Him, is really just a bunch of trains we can't stop, that we didn't start them, and we can't stop them. You're just on a train taking a ride. What I call my wishes, he says, becomes merely the desires thrown up by my physical organism, my physical nature, who I am, or pumped into me by other men's thoughts, pushed on me, spoken over me, told to me who I am or what I'm going to do, or what I should do, or anything like that, spoken over us. Or even suggested to me by devils. So he says, what my wishes are, really are not my wishes. And there's this whole other thing, and I, I didn't even put this part of the quote in there, but... Uh, he's talking about that this whole thing about an individuality and really being myself is, is being an individual, is being different. But he says, look at all the tyrants and how different they felt that they were, but how similar that they were and how the same that they were. That when we try to be ourselves, we end up being the same as everybody else. But he says, When we come to God, we end up 
being something completely individual. He says that of the millions and millions of Christians, I want to just read it, but, but of the millions and millions of Christians that, that as, as we find ourselves in Him, we have these pieces of who He is and who He's created us to be, and it is so different than anybody else because He has called you to a specific purpose, a specific plan, has made you who you are. So coming to Him creates the identity, the individual, the person that's not the same as everybody else. But trying to be ourselves makes us the same. Just living in the same sin, living in the same mess, doing the same things over and over and over. Being crucified with Christ means we're no longer slaves to sin, slaves to the world. We sing that, this song, No Longer Slaves. And it, again, going, going back to that quote and what C.S. Lewis spoke, that I, I just, ugh, it's so crazy to see in the world. It's, that what is being spoken over those that believe in God, those that are Christians, those that trust Him, is that we're all the same person. And if you want to be different, if you want to be an individual, that you got to be out there in the world. But isn't that exactly what the enemy tries to do every time? Every single time is take what God has instituted and who he is and twist it. Because he knows that's what people want. Because that's how God has created us. To be that person that he has created us to be. That, that reflection, that aspect, you know, it's like a, like a diamond that's cut, the facets, right? There's facets on this diamond. That, that we each have a different reflection piece of, of that light of who God is. And not any one are the same. And the enemy tries to twist that and manipulate that and tell you, no, no, no. This is how you become that. It's by living for yourself and doing what you want and, and, and living in sin or keep holding on to that mess that, that you have or whatever. But God says, no, I, I want you to no longer be slaves to that. In Romans 6, 5, I think I'm going to read 5 through 11, the whole thing. 
It says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. That's gone. That's old. It's no longer there. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So he's speaking all this about what that work on the cross is and what it did for us and, and, and how he has taken out once and for all. He doesn't have to go over and over. We don't have to live in that sin and Christ work on it piece by piece. Because once and for all, he has the victory over sin. So that we would no longer be slaves to it. And in verse 11, Romans 6, 11, Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He says, that, that, word, that word reckon, it, is, it means to, to count yourself dead to sin. It, it's this term that's it's almost mathematical, that when, when you calculate all these things, you will then understand that you are dead to sin. Can you come? It's like, can you come to the answer, to the truth, that once and for all, that sin has been taken care of and Christ died on the cross for you so that you don't have to live in it, so that you don't have to be a slave to it. Can you do that calculation and understand that the answer is that it's dead? That old sin nature is dead. And that you are alive. You have been brought to life in his spirit, with his spirit, in Christ. In verse 13, it says, Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. I love this. He's like, present yourselves to God as ones that are no longer dead, that are no longer living in that sinful nature. Present yourselves to God as ones that have been brought from death. You were once dead, but now you are alive because of what Christ did. And how do we do that? By living as instruments of righteousness. 
in what you say. See, when it says it in, as instruments of righteousness, it's instruments, you know, it's something that you use. Whether it's a, a tool to fix something, whether it's an instrument to make beautiful music, a tool to, you know, that a doctor uses to, to heal and to fix. Like, I, I could come up with so many different things that you can call an instrument, and all of them give you a picture of who you are, of what we are supposed to be when we are brought to life in Christ. Those that, that are able to bring healing to those around us. Those that are able to, to bring the, the beautiful a sound of who God is to those around us that, that's a comfort in times of stress and anxiety or whatever, that, that, that God is there with them because we are that instrument bringing that to them. When there's brokenness, that, that, that we are that instrument that is able to come, not because of who I am, but, but right because of who Christ is and what he did for us, and now I'm alive in him. With him, it's him in me that I can step into a situation where there's brokenness and, and, and fix things. Not me, but God will fix things through us, right? That we are those instruments. Present yourselves to God. Be brought from death to life. And allow yourselves that your hands, your feet, what you do, what you say, where you go, what you're a part of, like, present yourself as instruments for righteousness. What's that, what does that mean? As instruments of right standing with God. We're not righteous. He is righteous. And he is like, right? Have I, have I built this up the right way? And because I'm alive in him and because of him, that it's him in me that is righteous, that is in you because of that work. It's him in you that is righteous that we can be righteous. Not, but not me, but because of that work that he's done in us. We're a visible manifestation of Christ. That's where our identity comes from. Not the world, right? Not what happened. Going back to that C.S. Lewis quote. This is where our identity as a Christian comes from. Not the world. Not your past. Not what's happened to you but who Christ is in you. Is, that's your identity. In 2 Corinthians 4.10, it says, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in your body. 
carrying that work in us. And in this, I, if, if I could say what this means to me, it's that I carry in me that work of the cross, It says, carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. What does that mean to me? If I'm carrying around in me the dying of Christ, that means to me that that I want to die to self every day. Right? Because that's what happened in the work of the cross. So am I carrying or are we carrying around the work of the cross? Are we dying to self daily so that, the second part, B, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in you? If we want the life of Jesus to be manifest in us, we have to carry around the work of the cross and die to self and understand that that our identity, that my identity, that your identity is not something that was given to you, something that was spoken over you, something that has been chained to you for so long, something that you've always felt was, you know, who you were. But no, your identity is in Him. It's because of Him. Corinthians 2.14, they don't have this one, but it says that we're the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. We're the fragrance. I love this. It's the way that, that this is being spoken over us, that we're instruments, we're tools of healing and and tools of, of, of bringing this, you know, I, I think of David playing the harp and bringing peace, you know. But then he says, and we're, we're a fragrance. You know, when we come around, do people think that it smells good? What is the fragrance of God that, that people are getting from us? Because even if when we're speaking of God, there can be a bad fragrance put in people's nostrils. I've seen it so, so much. But is the fragrance that's coming out of us, is it this sweet smelling, something that draws? Hey, you know, think about, you know, cookies, cake being baked, or, you know, maybe if it's coffee for you. It's my grandma, she'll come if there's coffee brewing, you know. It's like, 
where's the coffee at? But that drawing that happens whenever there's this, this fragrance in the air, Paul says, we're the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Second Corinthians 3.12 Therefore, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Okay, I'm going to go through this scripture and, and try to unpack it pretty quickly, but He's trying to unpack like this, this what Christ has done in us. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses. So he goes back to the Old Testament. He's saying, listen, we're talking about the law, we're talking about Moses, like all these different things. But he says, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not Look steadily at the end of what was passing away. So Moses, he had this moment with God, right? He was close, closest to God of, of practically anybody. And it was so incredible that his face was shining. It, it was so bright. I, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it. But he had to cover his face up because they wouldn't be able to, to comprehend or even live by seeing this. Because God was so much there with him because he has, had been with God. In 14 it says, But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Saying the law. It's not what takes the veil off. It's not what, what brings this to us. It says, because the, t the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. It's not the law, it's Christ that removes the veil. Christ does. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So there's all this stuff, right? All this stuff that he's unpacking. But what I really want us to get is, is that Wait a second, did you see that he says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord? Now God used the law in the Old Testament and used Moses in, in, in this way to, to bring the people out of slavery and, and to bring them to the place that, that he wanted them. But there was something different there because back then, God wasn't manifest in them. And one time that he was manifest in Moses, he had to cover his face up. 
But he's saying that veil is taken away in Christ. Christ took the veil off of our hearts, off of our faces. But he says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. You see this. When you look in a mirror, what do you see? Do we see ourselves or do we see Christ? I, I just take that and I, I get this. Oh, when I think about that, whoa, wait a second. Now, now I am, now you are. Now we are the image of Christ. That when somebody looks at you, they can see Christ. They can see who He is. When we talk about identity, there's our identity. I, I don't know about you, but I'm blown away by that. Says, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When I look in the mirror, that I can behold the glory of the Lord. And it says, are being transformed into the same image. We're being transformed into his image from glory to glory. How? By the Spirit of the Lord. That the Spirit is working in us. When, when we come to Him, when we are His, when we look to Him and stop looking at self, the glory of the Lord is there. Right? Like in, that, in, in this song we sing, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's glory. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is grace. There's holiness. There's righteousness. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, and He's in us. That is, that is who we are. That is who you are. You're the image of Him. Would you stand with me? Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.